0: Welcome to Healing Lives with Corey Gilbert, a podcast sponsored by the Healing Lives Center. Discover how to love and lead your family well and biblically. God created sex, marriage, and the family for our stewardship, growth, and benefit. My heart and passion is to teach, train, educate, and disciple Christians that want strong marriages and families. The Healing Lives Center has been serving Christians since the year 2000. Its mission is to be a center for sex, trauma, and marriage education and transformation. Where we offer counseling coaching courses and speaking services to you your church or ministry check us out at healinglives.com hello thank you for tuning in and today i have the amazing pleasure to interview to have a conversation with alan c paul alan thank you so much for joining me
1: thank you so much corey it's a pleasure to be on the show and looking forward to a great conversation
0: yes i'm excited because you bring something that we haven't heard much about when it comes to um, pairing passion and heart with family. And how do we balance, if you can even use that word, balance um, <laughs> and make choices when it comes to um, who I am and what I do? So tell us a little bit about your story and um, kind of what brings you to today.
1: Well, thank you so much for even opening the conversation and giving me the chance to talk about it. I always start with this 30-second elevator pitch, right? Try to encapsulate your life in tw- in twenty words or less. Mm-hmm. So I try to do it in four. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a creative and I'm forgiven. So that's always the way I start with it. Um been married over 26 years, I yes. believe, to my wife, Leah. We live down here in South Florida with three kids that we've raised um starting with the oldest is now 31 i think turns 31 and going down to 24 so our kids are older and moving out of the house Mm -hmm. but i've been a musician and creative and a a minister of music and uh, worked in church work as a, a you know really pretty much my whole adult life and also been a professional musician that entire time and so that has been kind of like the crux of my life family faith music and how those things intersect. And now I kind of help people as a creative coach and an author and a podcaster to figure out those same things so they can have a holistic and a fulfilled life, whatever God calls them to, but especially in this area of creative entrepreneurship and ministry. Like how do you balance these things out? Still keep your faith while you're working in spaces outside of the church. And uh again, focus on the most important thing. So that's really my, you know, my work and my life in a nutshell if that yes. if that helps.
0: That's a lot there. That's I mean, you talk about family. Uh, being a creative, how do you balance or how do you even do life in ministry with a family? You've raised three children. Um, tell us though about, so your website is godandgigs.com, godandgigs.com. So your heart and passion has been to help people in ministry or in or with the passion to be a creative, to do what?
1: Well, it's great that you asked. It's funny that even when I look back over my uh, genesis of starting the blog and starting the platform. It actually started with, I, I, I've been hiding this name for a while, but I'm going to start being more transparent. It started as the Jesus in jazz blog. So thank <laughs> God I changed the name. Had to have the alliteration. Maybe maybe not the most. I know, right? People have been like, oh, j- Jazzy Jesus. Like, no, gosh, no, that's not what I meant. I'm <laughs> glad I didn't go with that. But it really sprung out of really where I was. And um, just to kind of like make a long story short, I was a full-time teacher uh from you know college graduated my, my music education degree and at that time I was also um a minister of music in my church and God kind of called me out of the teaching profession to become a full-time homeschool parent that was the first indication that okay my life was not going to follow a normal path of nope. music teacher or whatever full-time whatever from nine to five like clearly God's not interested in that in my life I also became a full-time minister of music after that and again as weirdly as that might sound god called me away from full-time ministry about five years later so god's like kind of you know showing me hey alan you keep thinking that it's going to be all one piece just be a teacher just be a minister just be a this and none of those things were you know my path were the things that really fulfilled me fully so it turned out that when I come up came up with this God and gigs concept, it was because I had to, because there was nothing for me to share. How do I live as a professional musician doing secular music in secular spaces, performing and doing like most people in you know in any area? Ninety percent of us are not called to the full time ministry in the church. We're called to be vocational, right? We work out our our jobs, our salvation. We work out our faith, but we don't necessarily work full time in a ministry capacity. So that joined me with most people in the world, right, Mm -hmm. where I realized that my ministry was not going to be simply based on what I do on Sundays. However, there's this business and really lifestyle aspect that and making money and being able to, like, make make a living that also needed to be addressed. Mm -hmm. So I basically started to write a pamphlet to myself, Seven Steps on how I could do that. And it became the seven steps that I put in my book, God in Gigs, and I wrote it really as just a, a letter to myself to help myself. And I interviewed people that are also doing it at a full-time level, people that won Grammys and been on Dove Awards and all this stuff, but they also had families and they also actually had great lives and they weren't chasing fame and they weren't chasing all this stuff. They were really doing it for the right reasons, working inside the faith and arts and entertainment space. Yeah. So that's where it came from. I needed some help. I needed something, and I wrote something to myself and created a blog kind of out of that space. And uh, it turned out it resonated with a lot of people that I still can share with today.
0: Nice. And so you have a book, you said, God and Gigs.
1: God and Gigs. Yeah, that's the original book right there, uh, Succeed as a Musician Without Sacrificing Your Faith. Started again because I was a musician. So I wrote to musicians, but I quickly learned that. It's not just musicians that deal with this, right?
0: So, so we you, talk to all creatives. I now. guess I'm confused. I thought as a Christian, you could only play Christian music.
1: You know, that's a very <laughs> interesting thing you brought up. I it's funny. Like when I first started talking about this, one of the first things I made a decision on as a person was it's kind of like what Jesus said about going to the lost sheep of Israel, going only to those people who are sent to right. I believe I was not sent to people to convince them that Christian artists can only create Christian music. That is not my audience. If you believe that, and you don't realize that God gave us all things, literally the Bible says, gave us all things to enjoy. Like gave us all things, whether it be the sun, the moon, whether it be beaches, whether it be music, whether it be art, whether it be film, he gave us all things to enjoy. Then Ecclesiastes just says, fear God first, and then enjoy all those things. So whether it be vocationally or whatever, I don't find myself arguing (laughs) with people who have that idea that Christian music and Christian art should only be created, or sorry, the reverse, that Christian people should only be involved in creating Christian Mm -hmm. art. uh, And that we should not, you know, I just decided, okay, that's not an argument I'm going to win. I'm going to go to the people who already are in that space Mm -hmm. and tell them how to handle it. So that when we feel guilty, when we have those struggles, when we say, hey, God, did you really want me to be on this platform or next to these people or singing this song? How do I handle that? That's the people that I said, okay, I got to talk to you guys because you understand your heart's for God. But like Daniel, like Moses, like so many other people in the Bible, you find yourself working for another king. You find yourself in a place where you have to be an ambassador in a foreign land. Mm -hmm. How do you handle that? So that's the people I talk to. I, I just gave up on the arguing about, you know, why
0: Christians, you know, should be free to create whatever God gives them to create. Well, we've got, I think, a divide of, of many, I guess, other other individuals. They only hear about kind of the big names that kind of switched. Like they were doing Christian mm. music and then they switched. And so it seems like an assault on, oh my gosh, you've abandoned your faith. But then you have those people that have been creating music and doing life and leading in different settings that are secular or teaching band at a public school or all sorts of things that we don't say that to. We don't talk about that in that way, I guess, cause they're not on big stages, but their life in ministry is their art, but it's almost like that's okay. So you're really speaking to a niche of people that get that because, but, but also might be in conflict over it, right?
1: Yes. I think that's one of the,
0: these pieces in.
1: Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things that we, and even, I'm glad you even brought up the big, the big names, right? There's so many people that we do kind of put uh, first on a pedestal, unfortunately, right? because of the fame, because of the the, the notoriety that comes with being a celebrity or whatever you want to call it. And then when these people either change their aspect. I wouldn't even say change. Sometimes they're just more transparent, right? So maybe you have a Christian artist that, that admits, oh yes, I like this artist. Or I listen to this type of music that everyone says, oh no, how could you possibly, you know, listen to this when you say you're that and accuse them of hypocrisy. Whereas, again, I would not want to look at anybody else's playlist, but I'm pretty sure your playlist is not 24 seven or your TV watching. You see, that's where it gets to the judge. Not that you not be judged. So it's not that we should not have a public witness that is consistent, but it's that assuming that these people are superhuman at a certain level and that they cannot have different interests and that their entire life is not this Christian veneer, and then we set them up to fail in a sense because we think that life at that level has to meet our standards. Their Their only job, and our only job, is to meet God's standards how God gave it to us. It's not for us to impose our standards of how a Christian should walk in these areas. And I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's how we all need to face this. In, in whatever field you're in, whatever vocation it is, you might be in a place where you have to make split decisions on how your character and how your reputation will be impacted by decisions around you, by people who are not in your faith. This is a, a universal issue. Yep. For anyone, whether you're in a plumbing, whether you're in entrepreneurship, what if your job at a white-collar, uh, white-collar uh, business mm-hmm. decides to do something that does not you know, flow with your faith? How do you handle it? So right. this is something I handle that we all deal with. But well, I, Yeah, I, I went to my tribe, to my musician friends and my creative friend that said, okay, how do you deal with this? And yes, as you said, we all realize that, hey, there's some times that we have to make decisions based on our faith and we pray and we ask. And there are times where God drives us away from a certain thing that might seem, you know, iffy. And there's times where God allows it or even encourages it, right? Because we might be a light in darkness. Right. So that's where I again, I love the fact that you're allowing me to kind of expound on that. Because yeah, it, it is it is murky waters. Mm-hmm. But I think God gives us clarity when we're willing to ask those tough questions about things where it comes to art, music, faith, and how we inter- interact with the world as believers.
0: When I guess where I get um, almost even hung up is I have I, traditionally and historically, that's that was me. To me, if you're a Christian, you only produce Christian music. And if you're a Christian, you only listen to Christian music. That's how I grew up. And then, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, you know, a few decades ago. But then I went to college and I became actually I majored in music and started ah. listening to other music going uh, is this okay? Am I allowed to listen to Peter Cetera or Chicago or, you know, that kind of stuff? And then obviously I guess the classical music is almost neutral. So I can listen to that. And but It's mm, interesting so... you mentioned
1: that because it's, it's, it, there's a lot of classical music. That if you go back and like, wait a minute, just because it doesn't have words,
0: the composer may the have is, very different. That's the thing is when it doesn't have words, oh, well, that one must be, and we fill in the blank with some judgment, if you will, positive or negative. Mm-hmm. And so I did. And then, oh, Inya. Oh, wait a minute. That's pretty, but oh, it's new agey. And I remember that era. And then been, I, then mean, we could probably list names of musicians that kind of impacted the story. But I want to go back to one you said earlier you left teaching and then you said you became a, a homeschool dad. How did that yes. transition happen? And, and what was that, that- like with, with your community and your tribe? Wow, I love this is actually, again, one of those chapters of my life
1: of my content and sharing my life that I go back to and I think, oh, my gosh, um, I don't really tell the story a lot. So mm-hmm. the, the way to kind of succinctly say it is that I was teaching mm-hmm. at music, elementary music at a school where both my my daughter and my son got to attend the school with me, they were in public school at the time. And that was one of the best situations a parent could imagine, right? Your kids come to work with you. They leave work with you. You get to be around them all the time. But of course I'm working in a official capacity, except that my son started to exhibit some behavioral issues, not major ones, definitely nothing arising to the level where I was worried about mental health or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But he did have trouble. He was one of those gifted kids that could not sit still, that could not handle being Mm -hmm. wrong, that could not handle getting an A or sorry, getting A minus and would flip out and just was having this this real struggle. Mm -hmm. And I found myself at this point being called to check on my kid in another classroom. And I said, I can't. I'm teaching my class. So you imagine like this parent teacher moment, like, hey, yes, I'm a parent. But I've got this other thing to focus on. Mm-hmm. And it was those moments that I was kind of, again, being kind of drawn to say, okay, yes, I'm a teacher. I'm an educator by heart. I'll always be a teacher. But is this where God wants me to impact my community and is my first priority to teach my family? And I don't even know what the scripture is. I don't even know if it was actually a scripture. But I do feel like God was saying, hey, fathers have the obligation and the responsibility mm-hmm. to teach your children fathers first i know homeschooling generally is considered for many as the mom's role right but i felt in my heart and convicted that the father is the one that takes the lead maybe i don't teach all the subjects but i've got to take the lead on this so i resigned from my position in 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 the, the school took a sabbatical said we're going to try this out for a year took my, uh, my son marcus and my daughter out of that school and they came home with me and i was the full-time a homeschooler for a while. Let me tell you right this: mm-hmm. I have a four-year degree in education. <laughs> education. Mm-hmm. I learned more in six months of homeschooling about education than I did in four years getting my degree. It's true. The homeschool movement taught me how to teach. The yes. homeschool movement explained to me why the home has to be the center of education and why, honestly, with everything I've been doing since then, Mm -hmm. I always form everything around the home being the center of, hey, what's happening in your career? What's happening in your education? What's happening in your life? You've got to make that the core of it because once I came home and made that the core of, hey, I wanna be involved in every educational decision. Maybe I don't teach you the algebra, but I wanna be aware of it. I wanna be a part of it. I wanna be leading the conversation. I would be leading the conversation of faith. We lead the conversation about what you're learning and the values you're learning. That created really everything we have now. It created the bedrock of our of our home. Not that every family can take their kids out and homeschool. I get that. It's kind of like a special grace, I believe. Almost like celibacy is in the Bible where it says some people are given the gift of celibacy, right? Mm-hmm. I think some people are given the gift of homeschooling. It's like they just have a gift for it and a act for it and God allows them to do it. So I understand every parent that might be hearing them might be saying, okay, this can't be me. But there's so many resources co-ops hybrid models, and I want to quickly mention my oldest son never came back from public school. He stayed in public school, so I always call ourselves a blended homeschool family. (laughs) We didn't take all of our kids out one child public schooling worked better for him. He stayed. We kept him all the way through. He graduated, but the other two graduated from college and from high school from a homeschool background. So it's all about family learning, what works best for your family. But the most important thing is the mentality that that changed, that shift made. It was no longer the teacher decides. It was no longer the principal decides. It was we decide what direction our homeschool and our kids' um, education goes. And it really made our lives just so much richer
0: for it. Yeah, and we we homeschool. We've homeschooled the whole time, Um, all three of our kids. Uh, My wife primarily, obviously, is is the primary person there. But as you said, not everyone can. You had literally this God calling you, God pushing you, pulling you to make a really radical decision, one that's very counter-cultural. Mm-hmm. Which that could that can bring its problems sometimes and, and stresses, if you will. Um, I know for us, homeschooling at all was was almost like a um Betraying our families, because some of our family are public school teachers.
1: I went through the same thing. Mm -hmm. I went through the same thing. The church that I was attending at the time was full of educators who just kind of looked at me like I had three heads.
0: Yep. And
1: uh, (laughs) did kind of feel like we were turning, we were turning our back. And the one thing I love, the fact that that, that we're both coming from a, a space of, yeah, this wasn't comfortable. Mm-hmm. It uh, now homeschooling, I believe is now 5%, maybe 6%, I don't know, maybe even 10. I'm not sure what the numbers are now, High, yeah. but uh, it's growing in popularity. Obviously, pandemic taught us all what we're capable of right. and how tenuous that that connection between home and school can be unless you're like really on top of it. And um, so I feel like, again, as a dad, yeah, I felt weird standing around with a bunch of moms plenty of times at the homeschool co-ops. Yeah, but it was it was also a place I said, "Hey, I'm here to learn along with my kids. I'm here to learn from the moms." And it the more and more I got integrated into the community, I realized that the dads and the moms, all of us, we're just trying to sort it out for each individual family. And so every family might be different. For a and time, each, I was the primary,
0: and each individual kid, like each yes, so that's one of the beauties of of homeschooling is they're so different. But again, I'll, as we kind of say. Like what we've done with with homeschooling, if you can't do that and or don't even want to, one of the biggest things is what you said about, in a sense, leadership. If your kid is in whatever school, you're the leader of their education, not that school. So you should be involved on every level with that school and in that school and with your child, not where we're pushing it off to some other entity to even, a, especially even private schools, like that's not their job. It's back to the center being the home. I love that you said that the center being the home that changes the whole culture of the home and the way you raise kids.
1: Absolutely. And I love the fact that you, again, since I've been on both sides, since I've been the public school teacher, I've been the person that wanted desperately to be a parental type of figure in these kids' lives. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's impossible, it's literally not my role. And even though I wanted to fulfill it, I wanted to be a mentor and I wanted to talk to the kids about more than just what happened, the bell would ring and time is up. And the next set of kids came in. It's just not a role that the teachers nor the principals nor the school system is ever designed to play. And I think God was very aware of that when he set up in, in you know the, the family, he's like, okay, you're going to need these other structures you're going to need these other things but here's where the core of that identity and that educational foundation will lay and so that way you know the parents that say well i don't know you know the new math or i don't know what to how to help them with their homework that's not the point the point is not for you to be the the guru of all Knowing subjects the yeah. point is yeah to know it all the point is to be the person that the child can look to to say hey how do i handle life When I used to tell my kids all the time, this is one of my favorite things when they would say, why do I have to learn this? Why do I have to learn this subject? I'm never going to use this. And I would say, you know what, I didn't want to learn how to do taxes, but I have to learn. I don't like it at all. There are things in life that we have to learn and I'm going to continue to be a student in front of you. So just being willing parents to be humble and say, yes, I'm still a student. I'm still learning, learning. We called it family learning. I didn't even like the term homeschool. I called it family learning. So I'm still going back to school for things. I'm still learning. Every time I go to work, there's something I need to learn. So modeling learning to your children and constantly being in that state of humility, because obviously, again, speaking in terms of God, God is always teaching us. God is always leading us. And we're always supposed to be humble and being led by him so in the educational space it's the same we're just learning and modeling our kids, modeling to our kids how to learn how to be uh willing to open your mind to new possibilities and i think that's the joy again the, of uh and the thing that homeschooling makes more it makes it easier it but does. it never changes no matter what what uh level
0: your, your child or what type of educational thing that your child you and your family decide to do yeah and you're modeling everything how you spend your money how you spend your time your relationship with the bible um how you learn like right here i have a pile of books um all these different (laughs) books i'm going through and uh, like my desk shows me whatever they're interpreting that um what i do with my time if i have time off is it for me or is it for us if it's for me that says something if it's for me but then i do a lot of us stuff then again every family is creating a culture that the kids are being imprinted on they don't necessarily remember it consciously but they remember it so then it plays out in how they choose to do their life as they become adults which is also interesting yeah
1: no i've seen that firsthand with my 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 middle son getting married Mm -hmm. this year no um i'm telling it was yeah thank you it was it was such a surreal moment because what you just said became apparent um as my son is forming his own family, is forming the culture of his home.
0: Yes.
1: And as much as I would love to say, oh, I take all the credit, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's it's a it's him deciding, right? He chooses to take this on. Um, okay. One of the other things a joy of my life is working on my church's podcast, uh, our church has a podcast as well. And the pastor's family has been three generations now, 400 generations in the same family uh-huh. uh, in ministry. And it's the same thing it's okay this it's not this whole oh, I'm a church kid and I'm a pastor's kid, and I'm gonna rebel, I'm gonna leave everything and I'm you know my parents you know didn't live up to the to the code or the standard that I feel for the church, so now you see these supposed things where families break up and then the church families break up. This podcast I'm working on with my with my my pastor's family shows that it's possible that your kids can follow in your footsteps, but they choose to right you don't force them to, but you model it. And then my son chooses, hey, I'm going to have a family. I'm going to have a wife where we both love, we serve the church, where we both decide we're going to stay involved in ministry, where we both decide we're going to have a happy family home, where we're going to come back and check on the parents every once in a while. Like that's their choices now. It was never a forced or an obligation that, okay, if I raise you, you're going to be like this. Right. Um, But you did show that as the best path. And I believe that's why the Bible says train train, train up a child, you know, because it will come back. But
0: Yeah. So question there, like we don't push them. We don't like almost demand or command you will live this way. But yet part of our job as dads, especially is to guide guide firmly. Yes. So where's the balance in that or what's, what does that look like?
1: You th- you? I would say for me the the picture that immediately came up to me is being the bumper cars, the bumper, well not the bumper cars, the bumpers in the the gutters at the bowling alley. Oh nice. I like that. Um I I I mean now I could let my my son roll the ball and go right into the I could I could. I mean, cause there are many times I was very tempted something just to let him all right, you wanna <laughs> go that way? Sorry, you know, you didn't follow me. But my job is to be that gentle Bounce back to say, hey, um, that might not be the way you want to go here. Yep. Now, if he's bound and determined to remove the bumpers, he can. Yes.
0: But the bumpers are
1: there so that he has the best possible chance of success. So that's the way it looked at my, and I guess a good example I could give is maybe again being very transparent. Um, you know, my kids have not all specifically followed the same path that I set out for them. Good, um, good you point. know, yeah. but yeah. So I don't want to be like, oh, follow my example. My kids are all, you know, love the Lord. And they're all like, you know, one step away from saying that's not the case in my family. Yeah. However, I can say that we've left an open door for them and they understand the foundations that they've been built on. So when my oldest son comes back and visits, when when we when we talk, he says things like, dad, dad, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Hey, dad, yep, I, I still have that. And it gives me comfort knowing that we've given him the foundation he needs to make the right choices whenever he chooses to make them giving them the information and giving them like you said the firm foundation Mm -hmm. this is what works now if you go this other direction give them the idea of what the consequences are and yes eventually it is their their personal decision as they become adults but i do feel that it's the idea of giving them the clear path giving my kids the clear path giving your kids the clear path and, and, and yes, being firm when you need to be firm, and uh, maybe not being commanding, but also not being, not backing down from what we know our role as parents until, like my son did, gets married and forms his own family and where now he's the one responsible. Mm-hmm. But up until that point, I firmly believe that young adults, we are still supposed to stay in their lives and help them to make that transition versus letting go at the wheel and just hoping, the, hoping for the best.
0: I was I got married at 28 and I I can tell you like 18 to 28 that 10 year period was time of such trauma and transitions of me too trying to figure out life and my dad was critical I had an 800 number actually that I could call my dad from any payphone back then any anywhere um and I did all the time dad I'm broke down on the side of the road <laughs> like help me fix my car and coaching (laughs) me through how to, how to fix, you know, put on brakes or to fix this or fix that and put on a new starter or something like that. But also then relationship wise, dad, help me with this, dad, this girl, this dad, this, what I I feel this, is this right? We need to be involved as you said, and then getting married, it did change that, that relationship changed, which is hard, but also beautiful in the transitions of the different stages of life and so again back to the family being kind of really the core i i see that as really the answer if you think of where our culture's at and our world's at our country's at is everything seems to be pushing against the family being the center and the family being the most important piece of the puzzle um of where we're a good future for the for america but
1: Oh, I agree. I, I, I would say, honestly, it's not just that because we do say a lot about the family being under attack, right? But I feel there, it, it, let's, let's not focus on the, 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 the things we can't change, which is the society and how, how they impact us. I think we should focus on what we can change internally, how we can continue to 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 double down on mm-hmm. what you just said, which is the family being the core. And double down is why, honestly, in my books, I, I, I very, I very almost judge myself on, I go back and forth with, well, in my, in my content, am I sharing enough about the family or am I getting all into just success? And how do you build a website and how do you get more people to follow you <laughs> and all those other things? And because, and then I thought, and I thought back and saying, well, thank goodness. The first chapter of my book does start with staying connected to church
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: staying connected to family.
0: Nice. So
1: even in my creative space, I remember just like, okay, thank goodness I started this on the right foundation. Because mm-hmm. all these other things is the whole gain the whole world and lose your own soul, right? Yes. What is what 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 is it worth for us, those inside this culture, right? And the community of believers to gain the whole world, to get all this followings, to get all this, even ministry, which again I can speak to letting ministry get out of order, not that it shouldn't ever be the highest priority, a high priority, but where it disconnects from the priority of family. And I think we can get sucked into that. And I think whether the world attacks us and makes it harder to be focused on the family, as as you know, as, as for years we've you know that's been the the phrase, right? That's the that's the thing I follow. I grew up with focus on the family, mm-hmm. but that that's the whole point is because we have to focus on the family. We can't wait for other people, right, to to either encourage us to focus on our families or whatever, like we have to make the decision day after day, I'm going to put down the cell phone, I'm going to put down the work, I'm going to put down whatever I feel is the higher priority and say, nope, my priority will be my family today, minute by minute, day by day, action by action. It's why I never took on a high profile job as a musician. It's why I never left the the, the South Florida area to pursue a big ministry position, which was offered many times because, you know, I felt that this is where my family's planted. Here's where the decisions have to be made. The priority has to be on the lifestyle we're creating for them and the legacy we're creating for them. And we're gonna put our, we're gonna put our stake here. So we're going to serve one church. We're going to stay connected. We're going to con- continue to raise our children in this way. And then all the other decisions will right. filter through that particular lens. But I think, yeah, we have to start with us. The accountability starts with us as dads and moms. And yeah, society's never gonna make it easy on us. That's let's just agree on that. Society's never gonna make it easy and they're and gonna you, continue to fight us. Do
0: you have family around you? Extended family?
1: My on my on my mother, on my uh my mother-in-law on my wife's side, yes. Okay. Now, the in-laws do live nearby, but um, I guess now we could say my family lives inside the state, but Florida is a very long state.
0: It is. So, um,
1: <laughs> yeah. So I can't say my my, my parents and my, ex- yeah, they live on the other side of the state. So okay. we we have to, well, to make a trip to get to them. But
0: well, the reason why I ask is you mentioned about kind of planting roots. And so your decision, and think of, I love that, and I think this is important, that you had to make decisions about- big you know big profile jobs or or, or, are opportunities touring going on a tour but family became the focus some people choose to do the other and they are choosing something that's actually going to have a consequence it will have benefit but it will also harm your family which we need to be honest about that just like choosing to be more family-centric means you're going to harm the impact of your ministry if you will the size of your ministry you're choosing something my wife and i we've lived in one two three four states um so texas to mississippi back to texas to georgia and then all the way across the country to oregon so we've not been near family except for that first year of marriage and hmm. it's been hard it's been like we've not had our parents around to raise kids we haven't had grandparents around we haven't had um but it's been very much a sense of calling before before we ever make any move. And so each person listening to this right now, careful not to listen to any of us and go, Oh, that's what I should do. Right. It's following God's leading in your life and listening to stories like ours and other people and go, okay, Lord, what are you teaching me? What, what stirred in me? Because maybe you should be that musician that takes that gig. But I would say careful, 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 which is what I think your point was too, is, your family can be sacrificed so easily for fame, for glory, for, for things that fade. Your family needs you. Husbands, your family needs you. Mothers, your family needs you. And you actually honestly can't have both. Like where you have this huge thing and be, be all to your family. I tell my students all the time that when I'm in class, I'm, I'm a professor as well, when I'm in class, I'm not with my family. I'm I'm focused on you and I'm with you, but I'm actually missing out on whatever's going on at home with my family and my kids. But what's funny is when I'm with my family and kids, I'm missing you because I love you guys and I'm missing what's going on in your life. And so it's kind of this constant torn between, same for my clients, that when I'm not with them, I do think of them, I'm praying for them. I stress over where their their life is, is struggling, even when I'm over here. It's a constant back and forth, and so yeah, how do you balance that? And again, the word balance is the wrong word, but
1: yeah, no, we all we all we always struggle with this particular. I I love the 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 concept that just came to mind, and I and I will give credit to where credit is due. I've had him on my podcast a couple of times, Jordan Rainer. It's one of the people I really, really, really like follow and and appreciate. He wrote a book called Master of One, also called to create. But one of the concepts he mentioned in a book called Redeeming the Time, because he's talking about this whole fight to manage our time as believers. And God's called us to raise families. God called us to have a job. and So how do you manage all this time? So he wrote this book. And one of the concepts he wrote, he talked about is how Jesus used his time. Mm -hmm. How did Jesus show up for all these different people? How did Jesus manage all the competing interests? And the concept that he mentions that I'm going to use right now is is this word he invented called "unipresence." God, Jesus was, God is omnipresent. Mm -hmm. Jesus was unipresent. He could only be one place at one time. And so so I'm using that to remind myself that if Jesus was unipresent, I got to be unipresent, which means I have to be all of who I am in so so when jesus shows up on, on 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 the mount of olives right and teaches and does the bless and does the um i sorry mount of Olives so that's transfiguration when he shows up in all his glory mm-hmm. he's fully jesus he's fully human right mm-hmm. and then he gets and then he goes his other place and he's eating at lazarus's house that glory is still with him he's totally present but he's still all god wherever yeah. he goes and so to use that same analogy for us as dads and you as a professor, you're still all dad when you're when you're teaching, mm-hmm. you're present with your people, but you are all dad, you have never lost your or left your,
0: <laughs> yep.
1: you know what I mean? You didn't leave that behind yep. to go do this other thing. And the same thing with me, like I've called this embracing my aunt That's why I start my all these podcast with musician father forgiven because I'm embracing my aunt I am all these things as I speak to you while I'm not present with my wife I am a husband right and so if my wife calls me right now I'm stopping this interview I'm picking up this phone because I never stopped being a husband when I stepped into this platform and I think that's the key is embracing that you are all those things even though you can only be present Mm -hmm. and focused on one thing it does not change the identity nor your priority of being the thing that you are most, you know, called to. Right. Um, so that's the way I see it. Uh, obviously it's not perfect. I show up half of myself in a lot of places. I just mentioned
0: this right here. Yes. Oh, how often we're present. We're not present. we are not present. Yeah. We're not present. When that phone is in front of our front of our face, Mm -hmm. Um, but like I found yeah, with I like- students that I actually, they do better in my classes and interact more when I can have them over to my house and have them see me with my wife, see me with my kids. And so I've done that for the last 18 years is I've actually have my students over. Um, but I can tell it's even changed now that I have teenagers. When the kids were younger, my students would come over and play with my kids. And that engage that changed the way they saw me now i have a little more boring teenagers <laughs> and so <laughs> just... it's not so they go play time. video games together exactly yeah, yeah, actually. yeah um but that that changes the way they see me and and it's also turn that around when my kids go to when i speak at a conference or speak somewhere um that has my kids see me i'm still dad and they're going to see me so different than anyone else but you're right that i like that that kind of. You know, uni presence. We can only be one one place at one time. A lot of times, we're we are giving half of ourselves because we're jipping um, the people we're serving because we're not present, fully present. Yeah.
1: And one of the things that really helps me with that is just saying, okay, am I really serving mm-hmm. this person or these people if I am divided? I just gave you the example of teaching. Yeah. Which is a noble profession, I still believe again praying for all public school teachers, but I realized I was cheating those kids because my head was number one on what's going to happen in choir rehearsal later that night. And is my son acting up in the, in the classroom, so I was divided, so I did not give the, the best quality education to those students. Mm -hmm. because I was divided my focus was divided I was what they you know say multitasking is no such thing right you're just you're just switching tasks as fast as possible like you're flipping on the phone it's the same thing you're just switching but you're not focusing on one thing Mm -hmm. so as much as lies within us I believe we are called to be directly Mm -hmm. focused on those people we are serving at that time so we can serve them the way God says it's like you know in all you do and you eat or drink do all for the glory of God right so if I'm eating I should be focused on eating. I should be focused on my family right at that, that moment and enjoying the meal and and talking and, and sharing. And then at work, yeah, I should be 100% at work because God has called me to do that with excellence. So I should be fully engaged at work. And again, if the call comes, like you mentioned, the phone picks up and you know I've got an emergency, we are called to put the priority right where it belongs, which is on our home and say, go, hey, nope, home comes first when the clock strikes five or whatever time you get off of work or whatever it is you need to turn i sit in my office i'm sitting in my office i sit in my uh car for a couple of minutes at the at the house and just let the day get off of me so that when i walk in i can't walk in with the problems from you know the office or from the church or whatever because i need to be fully present so as much as i, tr- I try to do that as much as possible mm-hmm.
0: and so the word creative i like that because it encompasses a lot more people um than just a musician so what what is your, I guess, inv- invitation for a creative as a Christian with what you've learned of ministry versus not ministry, professional versus church, all the different options out there and people trying to sort out who am I, where, where should I go, what should I aim for?
1: Mm, I love the fact that you, yes, it really does come down to number one, we serve a creative God. Mm-hmm. And I always, I was, I'm very, very, very sensitive now over the last few years of even giving that term creative to certain people because people think in the performing arts, they think of the visual arts. They assume that creative means that I create content or I do something on YouTube or whatever, and that means that anybody that's not doing that is not a creative. But I see nothing in the Bible that says that God did not put that we are made in his image, he is a creative yeah. God. That I can't see anywhere in scripture where he takes the creative part out of our image. Mm-hmm. If we're in the image of God, that means we are in the image of a creative God, which means we are all little, right? Little C, creators. Yep. We are all have the ability to have a creative spirit, whether you are doing math, whether you have a creative way of, of solving a plumbing issue, whether you have a creative way of solving a financial issue. God allows us to have a little bit of his power to create something out of nothing or create a new solution out of whether there was no solution. And so all of us have that ability. Now, just to kind of go back to your question of where do I try to help? I do try to help people who are struggling with, is God calling me to do this more? Am I supposed to lean into this creative uh, gift, whether it's music, art, film, photography, dance? A lot of people serve in churches and it's like, well, I love to do this in church, but should I be making money doing this somewhere else? Is it, is it something that, you know, this little, my, my wife is a perfect example of this. Um, she is a, uh, I call her a hybrid creative slash manager because she has a business li- mind and a managerial mm-hmm. mind because she works at a nonprofit and manages the office, but she also crochets and she sews and she paints and she does all these creative things. She never wants to do them for money. I keep telling her, honey, you can make a million dollars doing this if you just wanted to put yourself on YouTube. Uh-huh. That's not her heart. Yeah. But then there's maybe somebody that does that for a hobby. And they're saying, wait, is this supposed to be something I'm supposed to lean into, do more? Right. And that's where I think, first of all, you do have to submit that one to God. You got to pray about it. You have to be open to the fact that maybe God just gave this to you for enjoyment. But if he's calling you to something different, like he called me out of the school system, out of these other things to do this creative thing of music, then you have to have some structure. You got to have some people around you that help you to figure out hey you can't just jump from zero to a hundred jump from here to being on the grammys step (laughs) a is this step b is this i do the seven steps in my book seven steps to becoming successful but successful the right way versus trying to be successful by trying to aim at the wrong things as you just mentioned the fame the glory and all this other stuff so that's really what i see it as people who do have kind of like a bent toward the creative in terms of the arts and entertainment And, and how do they navigate that because I was the same guy, you know, even though I have a degree in music, I did not know how to make money making music. And I did not know how to navigate, you know, the ministry and my time and how do I just filter all this stuff out that's coming at me at 100 100 miles an hour. So Mm. that's where I see it as if, but if all of us have a creative gift, all of us have been given a measure of creativity. It's just a matter of how we express it and I try to help people figure out when it's starting to move more in a business or entrepreneurial aspect.
0: But I like that. And your again, your website's the godandgigs.com. Um, you're we need like, like the word even behind you, coach. We need coaches. We need someone to walk mm-hmm. alongside of us. I went and got my one of my masters is in marriage and family counseling. Great, I had some skills to help people. I never had a class on how to run a business. And so for 20 plus years, I did not know how to run one and would try, but failed miserably, kind of on the side until I started getting help from people who had done it and done well at it to start building something much bigger than I've ever thought I could. We need people like you that's going to help, like aim, kind of where to go, what to do step by yeah. step, but then kind of walk alongside and coach them on that. Because some need to actually aim for something probably bigger because God's really calling them to some even bigger stage. It's also when we get into the whole comparison stuff. You know, yeah, my my ministry at my church of a hundred versus yours at a church of we start comparing, which is actually really, really um scary because it's going to go wrong in our head and our heart as we compare and we tear ourselves down. Where is God it's so true? You? Where does he want to use you? Yeah.
1: There's such a such a uh a hard thing for us because there is this balance of humility, right, where we all want to be humble. We want to say to ourselves, hey, I don't want more than God wants for me. I don't want to aim high simply for this effect of like, you know, gaining, again, success or notoriety and losing my family or so on. But then there's other times where God says, hey, you need to step out of the boat. Hey, I am guiding you. I will provide for you. As you take these steps of faith towards something that might seem like a bigger platform or maybe in a creative stage you know certain certain. Um, opening your business, as you mentioned that's such that's such an interesting thing that happens to all of us right, whether what, no matter what your vocation is there's doing the thing. And then there's telling people that you do the thing are two different skills, the marketing and the promotion all these things that many of us as Christians like shy away from because we oh, that's <laughs> self promotion but literally Jesus went and promoted the kingdom of God. It was him leaving his, his town and going to talk to people about this thing that he felt was so important that he needed to share it. That's promotion. Yeah, That's literally promotion. So to say that God is not interested in promotion is to say that Jesus was not interested in sharing the kingdom <laughs> of God. Again, being very clear, we're not talking about being salesy and other things like that. We're not saying that Jesus was a salesman. But he was promoting and he was sharing and he was telling people about something that was really important and that only he could share and i think that's where i think i've told a lot of my, my clients and a lot of people that I listen to uh to the podcast is think about the people that are on the other side of that fear who is stuck because you're scared who is still waiting for your voice because bible says you know jesus of jesus his sheep know his voice well somebody knows your voice and just jumping on a podcast that you've done or just starting that business or starting that website, mm-hmm. those things that are hard to do, right, the, the business side and, and putting your face on things and being open to comparison and being open to criticism is those same places where God can give you grace and mercy. Uh, my favorite scripture verse in all of the Bible, which is a weird one to pick. Again, people pick John 3.16 or you know Matthew 6.33, but mine is Psalm 25.10, which is all the paths. Of the lord are full of mercy and truth to such who keep his commandments and i love the plural paths mm-hmm. yes <laughs> because it shows me that god is going to help me on all these different winding roads and they're all full of mercy and truth mm-hmm. so god's going to provide you with mercy and provide you with direction as you try these different paths so i always tell people just take a small bet start with one sale start with one podcast start with one little thing to mm-hmm. start to share the thing that God's put on your heart to share, and especially if it's in the creative space, don't worry about what other people are doing. Just look for the people who hear your voice and respond to that one person. And that will start, the, as you're saying, it starts you realizing that, hey, you have more to share and God is calling you to something higher. And it doesn't have to be at the sacrifice of your family. He will add to not take away from that thing that you know is most important.
0: Yeah. And that's the the piece there, the sacrifice of your family. So many in so many walks of life, ministry to business, sacrifice their family in the process. And I think of so many, um, if you, if you look at the, the big names, you look at how many have died of overdoses and how many have lost Mm. second and third and fourth marriages. And the fact is, is these are not people we should be looking up to. Um, and in, in so many ways, yes, great. They're great at their skill or talent or you know whatever it is. But we need to be careful who we put kind of that poster on the wall of who we want to be like. Um, who does God want you to be like? Well, it's him. Yeah. What does that look like for you? Well, it's different than your neighbor. It's different than someone else. It's different than the other person that does the same thing you do. So like, are we really listening? How do we listen got to be in god's word we've got to be in community and what you said in the beginning your first chapter of your book are you involved in your local church the community of believers um so many i know aren't they're not involved in a local church and they wonder why they're wandering and and can't find focus that their only voices are from youtube or tv shows podcasts music it's not places that are actually great I love yeah. love
1: your so, heart and passion thank yeah. you so much and no i the, the church part has been the foundation of my life it's when i had i needed a place to run to yep. i had a place and people to run to and i think you mentioned the the sad stories of overdoses and sad stories of suicides and all these mental health issues i mean jesus was the first mental health counselor when he said um you know that that do not worry about your life right there in Matthew 6 right he was basically i listened i just listened to that verse the other day and i said this is literally the first healthcare yep. self care whatever you want to call it he 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 was he knew that we were anxious he knew that we had these issues and then he created a place through him forming the church after he was ascended and saying to these 12 disciples you guys stay together mm-hmm. stay in the same room he modeled community he he preached community and the church became, and, and you know, of course, in, in thousands of years, is still the place that people should find that connection, accountability, community, and that, that, that source of life from each other. And yeah, that, I'll preach that and share that until, you know, until God calls me home, that that's where we get our ultimate fulfillment. And whatever it is that people seem to think that's not the four walls, people need a place, okay? You, you, you would not say to your family, oh, we're a family no matter where we go, and then not give them a home. Your family needs a place to have a roof over their head. It's the same thing with the local church. We need a roof over our head. This is a place that we belong, and it's a place where we get so much of our power and our ability to handle questions that we're talking about, those tough questions, we find them there in those ministries. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, a full believer that the church is more is the four walls yep. and the people inside it.
0: Yet, when I drive down any city and any place I've ever lived, the amount of churches I see where it's empty most of the time breaks my heart because the church is not just a place you come together on, on Sunday morning or Wednesday night, Christ. it is a place it should be so busy. But what what I see in other communities is the church has office hours. As in, if you have a crisis between eight and five Monday through Thursday, cause we're closed on Friday, then we're here for you. Like, no, People's lives fall apart at 2 a.m. Where do they go? People like, so how do we build community that actually cares for other people when there's a crisis? It's not going to be in a church of a thousand people where there's five people that serve that thousand. That's kind of the mentality that some places have, or 10,000 people. It really is your church becomes what small group are you part of? What group of people know you, know your story? have heard you um, hurt, have sat with you, grieved with you. Um, That's going to be the church, but broken down into those smaller, even thinking of that picture of the 12. Um, So, so important, the church. So we have the family and we have the church, two of the most important creations by God to move everything. But then we have almost a distraction of work. (laughs)
1: it's so interesting i guess if you put it but you if you think of it that way like and this is why it's so important it's why even i named my my membership community 360 It's because i feel like you can't have a piecemeal kind of life when it comes to putting this together you just mentioned it family and the church but work is a big component right and i again I, i i can't uh, I'm going to bring up his name so much. You're probably going to think that I'm doing a commercial for him. He's not sponsoring this. <laughs> I'll to. You. But yeah, again, Jordan Rayner, you know, talks about this when he talks about and called to create that we were created to work. And that is a function of who we are. It's not a, a thing we have to do after the curse. God was given, a, um, Adam gave job, gave Adam a job, yep. tend to the, to, tend to this, take care of this, manage it, cultivate it. You have a purpose beyond just worshiping me. You have things that you can just do just because they're good to do. And I'm actually giving you management over this world. And I think we have to stop seeing.
0: That was pre pre fall. It was not part of the curse. Exactly.
1: And I think what we have, especially let's talk to the dads, right? To the men, we fall for that. Oh, well, work is just, again, something I have to do to pay the bills versus something that's
0: a gift. It's
1: a gift for me to have this ability.
0: 70% of Americans hate their jobs. That (laughs) bothers me. It's like, because you see work as a curse, you see work as a burden. I have Mm -hmm. my my two older sons, my 16 year old and 14 year old have jobs. My 16 year old is working sometimes between 30 and 40 hours a week at Chick-fil-A right now. It's so cool to watch him work and see the value of it. My 14-year-old is a dishwasher at the university I teach at in in the cafeteria, and he's realizing he hates being locked in that room because he's a very social person, but he's learning work. And it's funny, my 12-year-old daughter is complaining all the time that it's not fair that she doesn't have a job. (laughs) Because your family culture matters, and our family culture is work is actually, first of all, required and encouraged. You know, the home life, that's where it starts, the home life. But it goes beyond that of serving people and doing something where you do get pay, which started with, you know, a lawn lawn business and other just kind of entrepreneurial ventures that some do really well at and some kind of it fizzles out. But work is not an appendage, which is why I said it that way a minute ago. We see family, church, and then work is like this thing over here, like this nuisance. no. It is a part of the system. How are you managing yeah. that? Are you gone actually, five, six days a week traveling because your family needs you. So what are you doing to actually balance that out? Again, balance is the wrong word, but what are you doing because that is hurting. But if you're called to it, I would say God's going to give that grace to someone to your family. and my absolutely great example of that's military. The military life being married is difficult. The families that I've seen that have done it well, whoever's going away. So the husband or wife who's going and serving that person left behind as a single parent has been given a gift and a burden where they need the community. That's the other part, the church. And they they do it well. And then that person comes back and there's not this like absence or missing piece others it's falling apart because they're trying to have everything they want to have their their incredible job and or adventures and they're they're missing something so same for creatives where you're traveling or and i love your heart you realize that there's a lot of these things we could go pursue that may not be the best because my priority is my family right now another season of life maybe but not right now and I feel like that's actually a problem I'm seeing among 20 and 30 year olds right now is they don't even want to get married because they want to go conquer the world. And so we're seeing in the data that the amount of not being not married or married, no kids, because kids are a nuisance and a bad thing. And so their life's all about themselves. And they wonder why God's kind of going, hey, I got a great world for you and life for you, but you're running from it
1: yeah yeah that now i love you that you came around to that little aspect of the 20 and 30 year olds obviously again my kids being at that age mm-hmm. and seeing that they've chosen um at least you know for the most part to pursue family to pursue marriage and okay well why is that why did they see that and it goes back to what we just talked about modeling that this is the core of who we are and this constitutes success Mm-hmm. Success is not just having these careers. And again, that's again the dividing line, right? If it's just about career and then family yeah. or career and then this, as if the two cannot be, you know, that God can't bless you with a great career as you build your family. It's it's this either or thinking that I think that has infiltrated even the church where we we, again, like you said, we kind of tell people like, oh, well, you know, get your life together, get everything settled, get everything right. figured out. And then you're ready to get married. Whereas you you and I just talked about getting married, at our, like, you're never ready, right? Should you have community and help and get yourself as best as possible prepared? But no, it's a walk of faith. It's a walk of faith to be married. It's a walk of faith. And there's no certainty other than your vows of saying we're gonna to stay together and figure this out. And so I feel like that's where maybe some of our younger people are getting confused because we've sent the message that, oh, well, if you have this, 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 and this, and you check off all the boxes, Yep. now your marriage material you'll be able to speak better to that but i kind of feel like that's what maybe people are thinking and hearing yep. in the culture versus this no god has a a bigger plan than you can imagine will he give you uh, the desires of your heart yes but he will also give you as i'm i'm, I'm quoting this from another pastor he will give you desires period mm-hmm. he will give you the desires he mm-hmm. will tell you what to want Yep. But when you start thinking, oh, I should want this, I should want this, it's like, no, 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 no. This is the best thing to want. <laughs> and then I will give you the wants that I just told you to want. And so that way he will actually expand your territory beyond just, oh, you know, I need this money or I need this apartment or I need this particular thing in your 20s and 30s. I, I gave it transparently before we could start recording. I was married and and with kids before 22. I think all of our kids were, bo- were born before 22, 23. So To tell me at that age that I was ready for all these things? No, 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 no. But God gave grace. That's why my psalm, I go back to that Psalm 25, all the paths were full of mercy. Mm -hmm. Because I certainly did not deserve, nor did I earn, nor did I do the right things at that age as a parent or as a a husband. But God gave mercy, and I did step into it and continue to learn as I grew. Mm -hmm. And so my kids watched me grow into a better husband. My kids watched me grow into a better father. My kids watched me grow. And I think the thing that maybe some of these younger people are realizing that you're going to have to grow into these things is going to be messy. It's going to be it's not what your friends are doing, and you're going to have to look a little strange, yeah. but you'll be the better off for it later on. And so, yeah, I just wish that we could do more to, to let those voices be heard versus the voices of, you know, no, you got to be have this perfect life, you yeah. know, before you can actually have a family when the family is imperfectly perfect. That's right. what it's going to be.
0: Right. Which... It's frustrating because we, if you think of what young people need to hear right now, I really think that the calling and the um, a theology of marriage and understanding of family is probably the most central piece right now because the world is screaming around them about the success here, success there, put in 80 hours here, 80 hours there kind of mentality. And so it comes back to marriage, family, parenting, uh, those pieces to me, as a foundation, which actually I, in the books I've written, to me, that conversation starts when they're in their single digits. You're planting yeah. those seeds when they're when they're in elementary school, the kind of husband or father, mother or, or wife that, that someone's going to be, or our child's going to be. So to be able to do that. But then that creative piece, I love the way that you actually said, literally, we are all creatives in the sense of the way God created us, put in us to to make something to create something um those that are in the profession of you know musician artist you have a special um gift and burden Um, i think again as as a musician the amount of time you have to give to perfecting your craft off-site off-scene behind the scenes we we ignore all that the thousands of hours of practice that led to that is totally uh, because of so many, so many that can just create out of nothing. It seems, which isn't true. We look at the the result, not the the process. So now the process. I, yeah. I, I'm thankful that you're even having on the podcast, just the, the guiding gigs.com. Uh, you mentioned you have a membership site, you have a book, uh, you have a podcast, your heart and ministry and passion is to help equip people, um, to do this well because that word balance i kept saying there is no balance you're choosing where you spend yeah. that uni focus i'm not going to be mostly at work well there's going to be a loss over here i going to be mostly at home there's a loss over there make that choice where's god calling you what does god want to use you um, we're at this stage of life you're a little further ahead but we've our youngest is 12 and so in six years we'll be in empty nesters and it's like we're already kind mm-hmm. of going, Hey, yeah. six years from now, <laughs> my wife is fired from her job as a homeschool mom. What's next? <laughs> like, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. To right. think.
1: Oh, oh, she, 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 she's commissioned. She's commissioned she's de-commissions. decommissioned. Retired.
0: retired. I like that.
1: We call, well, Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We had, we're, we're veterans and uh, we're, there, we have yeah. been caught off the battlefield.
0: Yeah. But what, what's next? Life doesn't end. It's like where God didn't go, oh, shoot, I forgot about that stage of your life. He's preparing the way for that next stage and that next stage and that next trauma, that next diagnosis, even that next struggle. Because even as our kids struggle, it's going to hurt us, impact us. So they go through either poor choices or just rough, difficult stages of of life. Um, I've had many students that have had loss of children that have had brain tumors that have had horrible struggles in their life. Um, and to watch them follow, follow Christ and to follow a, a calling is, is such a beautiful thing. Um, this isn't a cookie cutter. Everyone should do this. So, oh no. Yeah,
1: no. And I, I love your message. And I love the fact that you, that you are modeling, we are all modeling. This is this whole, you know, can't, can't go the Paul thing which sounds egotistical until you realize when you say, follow me as I follow Christ is literally just saying, Hey, I'm learning this too.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm figuring this out too. Yeah. I'm not Run the perfect parent, perfect husband. Yeah. But, 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 but I'm, I'm working on this and my family's working on this and we're going to just continue to follow Christ. That's the key word is that because I'm following Christ, you can follow other people and stay in community and continue to learn from people like you on how to handle those I'm again I've never been an empty nester before I'm about to find out what it's going to be like and my wife and I are going to figure it out together
0: yeah.
1: um you know never had two kids uh you know engaged and married at the same time and you know and one yeah. still looking and so each stage you know calls you into a new level of depending on God which is really what it's all about depending on God and uh and trusting him and then also being willing to stick with the sac- stick with the principles when like you said you're deciding what to sacrifice what's the next step you just having the right resources in the back so that's really what god and gigs is really here to do for those in our tribe and yeah I just appreciate you right. just giving me the chance to share it it's really really blessing and love again I hope we can continue this conversation uh wherever we can because it needs to be it needs to be shared more
0: alan so great to to meet you it's godandgigs.com and then godandgigs.com/questions you can download a free pdf with Um, questions that you need to ask. If you're trying to make it a hard decision, reach out to Alan as well if you have uh, other questions or needs. But Alan, so great to meet you, to talk with you. Uh, Thank you for coming on.
1: Dr. Gilbert, it's been an absolute pleasure and honor. I hope we can do it again sometime. God bless.
0: It's your pleasure. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Healing Lives with Corey Gilbert podcast. It has been an honor to serve. If you are struggling, have questions, or in need, Dr. Gilbert offers a free consultation for new clients. Check us out at healinglives.com to book a call. If this has been helpful to you, please share it, leave a review, and help us get the word out so that we can see lives changed, marriages transformed, and more people come into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. The Healing Lives Center offers online courses, programs, books, intensives, and other services to help you live biblically and well. Discover more resources on YouTube and in Dr. Gilbert's Healing Marriage Facebook group, The Healing Marriage.